everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now pre-order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash order. And there you'll find all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order the book before the 10th of May. And on today's show, I interviewed the beautiful Anne Curtis. I'd never met Anne before until today, but I'd seen her extraordinary dedication to creating resources around what I have talked about during a lot of these episodes called The Joy of being, or at least the principles behind the joy of being. Today, we talked about how we can relax when it comes to making decisions, because actually it's not as hard as we think. We talked about how we're always being guided. And even if we make a decision that we later regret, actually, it was the only decision that we could make in that moment based on the fact that we didn't make another one. It made sense to us. You see, we're only ever doing what makes sense to us in the moment. Now, I know that making decisions or big ones or whether or not to make them can, can be a topic for a lot of overthinking and which is why I wanted to have this conversation with Anne today and we talked about her amazing project to help teenagers thrive in this modern day and we talked about her journey to get here so if you are overthinking decisions if you are struggling with teens either of those two then this is going to be a great episode for you enjoy so super excited to be interviewing Anne Curtis I kind of seen Anne around but her and I have never really properly connected and she is creating this amazing initiative which she'll tell you all about as we journey into this conversation today to help teens and so welcome Anne what a pleasure to have you here thank you very much and the reason you've seen me around and not really connected with me or not really done anything with me but it's because I tend to keep pretty quiet <laughs> I, I tend to my thing has really been since I found out about the three principles and it had such a big impact on me and I saw what a big impact it was having on on uh, the understanding was having on other people I've tended to promote other people I keep finding really really good resources you know people who are really good coaches and people who are really good speakers and people who are writing really brilliant books and I and I just wanted to share every time someone asks me a question I'd say oh yes I've seen something that, that's along those lines here. And, and then I would be do, looking, searching for the same resources over and over again. So I started putting together um, a resources library. Well, it, it wasn't a resources library to start with. I thought I would put it into a book, which was, and it started off as a book. And then luckily, um, Elizabeth Lovius came along and said, oh, I hear that you're putting together all these resources and I want a resources library for the back end of the Real Change portal, which was the website she was putting together to let people know about what was available uh, in the way of three principles and what it meant and what it was all about. And would I would I be prepared to put this library together? And she found a, a Zotero library, which is really great, really easy to put things into. Mm-hmm. And so I did. So I still do that. So I'm still putting the library together. 
and I had already started the Three Principles Resources Facebook group. And, and as I say, it was really about promoting other people or telling people about what other people were doing. Then when I was at the Viva event, which was really great. I loved it. I went to the Viva event last November. And oh, and, and by the way, any of you that are listening, and maybe you never heard this podcast before, let me ask you, Anne, I, I, I got curious about something, which was what changed for you? So the three principles is something that I have been banging on about pretty much in every episode of this p- podcast, or at least been pointing everyone in that di- direction that everything is created through mind, consciousness and thought and that we're feeling in the, we're feeling our thinking, not our circumstances. So and I'd love to know a little bit more about your transformation, like where you were, what mm-hmm. happened and where you are now. And as, a, as an aside, the Viva event is another sort of three principle event in Spain. Um, and it happens to be 40 minutes away from where I live. So um, anyway, as an aside, I, got, yeah. I just really wanted to ask you about yeah. that. I started off... And that's actually this leads into why I'm doing the big event that you mentioned now for young people, because when I was a child, when I was in my teens, when I was in my 20s, I was always looking for the answer to how to help people have better relationships. My parents weren't very happy. They they weren't very happy in their relationship. And I wanted to make that, you know, I wanted to help them be happy again. And I had seen um, parents of my friends die from cancer and I was worried about losing my parents and I wanted to find a cure for cancer. I was looking for, how could I solve all these problems? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just little ones, you know. I wish I'd been in this light like, like 15, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20. I think I was getting drunk at that point. Yeah, no, I was definitely, I mean, when I was 11, I had, I read a book about um, Louis Pasteur and um and and from that decided well okay so he found the cure, you know he found the cure for uh, he found antibiotics and the cure for for diseases in that way i why i can't why can't i find a cure for cancer right <laughs> so 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 all through my teens i was going to be a, a research scientist i thought and then i discovered that that entailed being in a laboratory all day and i was like no way can i do that so I trained as a doctor instead. Right. Um, and actually, um, at the end of my first term at medical school, I was so disappointed. I was really depressed and really fed up. And I came home and told my parents that I wasn't going back. I was going to go to India and be a yogi, <laughs> which, which I think would have probably been a much better idea, actually, looking back now. But that's what happened. And... And I know, you know, I know now that it was it was for a reason, so that was fine. Um, but I did go back because I, at that time, I had no idea how to do anything else. Uh, I went back and I stuck it out, and I finished training as a doctor. But but even at the end of it, I was very disappointed because uh, I still didn't have a cure. You know, I couldn't cure people. I wasn't. I didn't. It felt like. They were missing. They were missing a big thing too. They weren't weren't looking at people's feelings, people as people. They weren't looking. I mean, it may have changed now, but when I trained as a doctor, it was all about physical symptoms and um, and even in psychiatry, it was 
making a diagnosis and giving drugs and or you know that sort of thing which which I didn't seem right to me I thought there's got to be more to it than this so I stayed in hospital medicine on and off and eventually um eventually trained in eventually went by accident into general practice and got into psychosexual medicine that was my way into psycho psychological things so I I trained in psychosexual medicine and what puzzled me was that I would get some really good results or the, the people I was seeing would get some really good results sometimes and then other times I would do exactly the same seemed like exactly the same to me and they wouldn't and in my own life, I wasn't getting the results I wanted. I really wanted to have a happy relationship and and my relationships were not happy. I was um, married and divorced twice and still not having happy relationships. And that was despite going to psychotherapy myself for uh, at least two years once a week. Didn't change anything. So then I, then I came across NLP and did the NLP training and was really impressed that I got much better results in my life and much better results with the people I was seeing. Uh, but still it felt like something was missing. And I did, I did lots of other trainings. I just kept going and doing another training, another training, used up all my money, <laughs> lost yeah, my, hand, lost my house as a result of all of that. You know, I was doing all these trainings and going to Tony Robbins and spending thousands of pounds and mm-hmm. doing, and, and I got some, you know, it did seem to have some results, but there still seemed to be like it, in my own life, I was not getting the results I wanted. I was still not happy. I was still not having happy relationships. I was doing all the positive thinking. I was positive thinking as much as possible all the time and getting the idea that if I didn't think positive, that was a big problem. And I, I carried on, uh, but I also felt a bit of a fraud doing being a, a therapist because I didn't feel like I had all the answers. So in 2009, I was completely burned out, really. I, I packed in my medical practice and my uh, therapy practices and didn't know what I was going to do. I decided I would run an internet business, but I couldn't find anything I really enjoyed doing and worked very hard a long time and and lost even more money. <laughs> And then my mother got cancer and I ended up looking after her. And so I wasn't really searching anymore. And I had a, uh, I had a strange experience when, um, because I, as I sort of explained, I felt responsible for my parents all my life, you know, like trying to make them happy and trying to make them well and so on. And when it became clear that the that the alternative therapy that I'd been helping my mother with, which had been working, suddenly stopped working, mm. I was in a panic. And I was I, actually, yes, I was in a panic and I, I felt like I, I needed to find something else for her and what would happen and what would happen to my parents and, and, and I was also aware that I was having all these negative, what I thought of as negative thoughts, and that that was going to be making her even worse. But in that same moment, something else was, something came through that was really clear that said to me, okay, 
you need to get out of here. You need to go and sit somewhere really quiet and really beautiful. So I, I was in Jersey at the time. And so I drove up to the North Coast, sat on the North Coast with a beautiful view, got really quiet and asked for guidance. And within a very short time, this this message came to me. It's really difficult to explain because it was not in words, but it was like some like a download into my brain saying, okay, so just repeat these three phrases. Right. So I started repeating these three phrases, which were, don't let this go. This was talking about whatever I was feeling or whatever I was thinking, right? It was saying, don't let this go. Don't let it fade. Just trust. So I repeated these three phrases and felt completely calm, knew that I wasn't responsible for anything that that my parent, you know, I wasn't responsible for my parents or for what was going on. And they were in their own journey and whatever was happening for them was what was happening. And the bigger power behind life, whatever you want to call it, was, was in control and I wasn't. And it was, so, so as, my, as I then nursed my mother over the next six months before she died, it really helped me to remind myself that okay i'm not um i'm not in control just to to know that something else was in control not me and it made a huge difference to my relationship with my mother because i had i had been very angry with my mother most of my life um for putting up with how my father treated her and not leaving him <laughs> basically it's really interesting when you look at what thoughts you took notice of, you know, now looking back at it, I was like, Oh my goodness. I was really, I was now I can see where I was taking notice of that thought, but still I didn't really understand what was going on until just before my mother died. My sister, I called my sister home and said, you need to come now. And she gave me a present for my birthday, which was the book. Somebody should have told us by Jack Pransky. And that was the first time that I had ever heard of the three principles. So I read the book. And interestingly, I I couldn't see how when I first read it, I couldn't see how it was different from anything I'd read before. But it felt really different. That was it. So I read it again. And then it suddenly struck me that the biggest difference was that at least up until the time when I'd had that strange experience, I had always thought that if you had uncomfortable feelings, Hmm. it was important. It meant something. It meant you needed to take notice. You needed to do something about it. It meant something was happening that shouldn't be happening and you needed to do something about it. And suddenly I realized from this book that uncomfortable feelings just meant I happened to be taking notice of an uncomfortable thought that just happened to be passing through my mind in that moment. And that another one would be along soon. And I probably wouldn't be feeling uncomfortable very soon that I didn't have to act on uncomfortable feelings. And that was like huge, huge. So, so what happened after that was that after my mother, well, first of all, it helped me through my mother dealing with my mother dying. And then after that, I stayed and, uh, lived with my father for a couple of years. And if it hadn't been for that understanding, I would have killed him. 
because, but, but with the understanding, I just realized that he was, he was in his own reality. He was listening to thoughts that made sense to him and that it was nothing personal to me. So when he got angry with me or when he blamed me for things that were nothing to do with me whatsoever, I didn't take it seriously anymore. And, and when I didn't, I just used to leave him to it, leave the room and go somewhere else and keep quiet. And he would then come and apologize to me for having been angry, which he had never, ever done in his life before. And so at first I wanted to teach him the principles. <laughs> at first I wanted to teach him them and say, look, you don't have to be, you don't have to be so miserable and you don't have to be all of these things. But I soon realized that there was no point in doing that. And, and actually he learned and changed far more just through me changing and just through my attitude to him being different than by me trying to teach him what the what he was taking notice of and what was what his, how his reality was made so yeah so it made a big difference in my relationship with him and interestingly i the relationship that i was having um my my own partner relationship with was with a um a man that i'd known for a long time but it was not totally satisfactory to me in a lot of ways. We would have a lot of fun at times, but it wasn't, there was something about it that wasn't right for me. But, but at the same time, that got better and better. Again, our relationship got better just because I changed, because I stopped trying to change him. And I realized that in all my relationships in the past, I had been trying to change them, right? Of course, that's not anything anybody else does, but I had been trying to change them all the time. And and I looked back and I thought, oh my goodness, no wonder they didn't want to stay with me. <laughs> like, you know, but but with him, I just realized that I didn't have to take any notice of my thoughts that were uh, thoughts that were bothering me or, or thoughts. Uh, it didn't mean I had to put up with um, his behavior. If I if if I didn't like his behavior, the same as with my dad. If my dad got angry, I just left him to it, and it was the same in this relationship. So, over a couple of years, our relationship got better and deeper. And but in the end, just one day out of the blue, something happened, and I was like, right, that's it. Had enough. <laughs> that's the end of this relationship and I actually finished it which is was unknown for me in the past I would have you know I kept trying and trying and trying to make relationships work in the past and this one I finally was like no this is not right for me there's there's nothing wrong with him as a person I wasn't blaming him I wasn't mm. it wasn't bad in that way I was like he's doing the best he can in the situation he's in and that's fine it's just I want something different. So, and I had, it was interesting because for the, for a while before that, I had been thinking that I should end it, but I didn't. And now I know that there's no point in listening to those. I should do it. It will happen when it happens. 
you know. Um, yeah. That's so, so it changed all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting um, that you share that. So funny, isn't it? How sometimes um, conversations show up um, that are very relevant for the person that needs to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And I am sure there are lots of possibly mums who might be in the situation, women who, who are listening to this that might be in that same situation. And I heard something very profound yesterday while I was on the toilet, which is, you know, by water usually this happens. Um, that what I heard was just let the feeling take care of the relationship. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And just let the feeling do the work because it does. It really does. And, and when... Uh, in the past, I didn't really understand what that meant. And for those of you that are listening, that are wondering, well, what the hell does that mean? Well, the feeling is that feeling that if you can't remember what it was like to feel at peace or calm, I I kind of want you to reflect on what it was like to be a child. Like there, there are so many moments that, that that was going on and that's still there. Um, it just gets covered by by insecure thinking, but it's it's always there that feeling, that beautiful feeling that we can access at any time, and that's who we really are. And and I've I've noticed, I don't know about you, Anne, I've noticed that that does so much. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, like you don't need to talk to people about this understanding if you if you're living it, it seems to be enough. I've noticed um, as my head's got really quiet my relationship with my son has got so much better and he actually is much more forthcoming now than he used to be. Yeah. Um, because he feels it. It's tangible. It's palpable. Mm-hmm. And so kind of what I heard in that story was, yeah, like living with your parents wasn't easy um, before you had this understanding. And so is that why you decided to create this amazing online event yeah it was it was well that was one of the reasons was because I was struggling so much in my teens and in my 20s and and after that too and it took me till a lot of years later to actually understand how how our experience works and to to feel that peace that you're talking about more of the time obviously you know it was there sometimes and and then when what, what happened was that the what happened was that when I was at the Viva event, I was talking to um, Jack Pranskin and Judy Sedgman, and they both said to me, "Look, you know the, the resources library is really great, and we but but not enough people are seeing it. And if there's anything we can do to help you to get this understanding, to get more people." to know about the understanding, just let us know. So that was like in the back of my mind. And then all of a sudden, one day it came to me to, um, I was looking at how people do online summits and how they get a lot of people to come to online summits. And I thought, well, we could do that. But but we've got so many speakers, we could just make it like, um, and, and I wanted to do it for young people, so I wanted it to be free rather than 
the summits that most people do are free for a couple of days and then you pay if you want to watch it after that. But I wanted this to be another big resource that would um, get out to more people and get out to young people at the beginning of their lives. And that, the other thing is that over the last year, I've got more and more interested in um, things like permaculture and um, all the recycling and all those sorts of things in saving the world, you know, and saving the earth. And I've seen so many young people really interested in doing that sort of thing. And I, and it occurred to me that it would really help them so much more if they were mm. coming from the inside rather than mm. trying to change the world from the outside. So that's partly why I did it. And, and also it just came to me. <laughs> So, so it sort of happened, uh, sort of happened through me rather than me. Um, yeah, it's sort of happening through me, I think. And 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 what's really great about that is, is I decided to do it in a very short time to keep the momentum going. But it's a huge amount to organise in a very short time. But because I know because I have this understanding and I know that we are much bigger than the human being that we seem to be. And we have access to all the, uh, to infinite resources. I just keep calm and just like, I know the next step's going to come and and it does. Someone turns up and says, Oh, can I do this? Or can I do that? Or yeah. So I, I know that. And I know that however it turns out will be absolutely fine. I love that, Anne, you know, and, and I've really heard it time and time again in your story in so many different little ways. And something that Elsie that Spittle talked about, which is being mentored by mind. Yeah. And I used to do this exercise or um, at one of my events called Join the Dots, and you'd start with a, a result that you got and then look back to see how that actually had happened. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like following the breadcrumbs. Um, you take one step and then it's a bit like you see a lake and across from the lake, you want to get to the other side. There's no way you can get, there's no, there's no boat, there's nothing. You just take that first step and suddenly you're being held on the water and then you take another step and, and it just creates this path and you get to the other side safely. Yep. And I, It, it, to me, it's just, I'm always in awe of that. I'm always in awe and humbled by, by that intelligence that is guiding all of us from moment to moment. And um, I don't know about you, but the more quiet I've become, the easier it is to listen. Mm. And the more I seem to live guided by that intelligence. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Mm -hmm. but it's more like I'm aware that it's present and that it's there and that it's guiding us. And I can really rely on that. Like that I can, I can totally rely on that. If I hear something, I'm like, Oh good. I can really rely on that um, idea. (laughs) Yeah, I I love it. I I just find it so much fun when when these the things that uh, 
well, people call coincidences, but I, you know, they're, they're just not. It's just so when you when you're on the lookout for it, it happens all the time. All that, like in the last couple of days, I've said to people, I've said to someone, oh, um, I was thinking about doing this, and they were like. I was just doing that. I was already doing that before, you know, I, I thought of it too at the same time and I was already getting that ready. But what, a couple of other things about it is that I, and I do, I, I just love, I just live my whole life as if I'm not as if I am being mentored by mind. Yes. Knowing that that is there and knowing that I am being guided all the time. The funny thing is that I always, believed I was being guided, even from being a child. I was brought up believing that. But so 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 the funny thing was that when I first found out about the um the three principles understanding, I was really angry because I was like, but I've been asking you for this for the last 40 <laughs> years. Why didn't I know about, you know, why didn't you show me before? But but the thing was that I was confused until I had until I read that book, I was confused about guidance. Now I know that guidance that when I'm I used to think that if I had uncomfortable feelings, those were part of the guidance. Mm. Right. And that confused me because then I used to follow I I used to follow the thoughts that would come after the uncomfortable feelings. And now I know that those uncomfortable feelings are not the guidance. The guidance is, mm, how do you describe it? And, and also, I don't, I just know that the guidance is not in the uncomfortable feelings. It's, it's, it's just natural and it's not in thought. It's not in thought. It's, you just know what to do. Um, like I knew, even when I was, and it's true that when I'm quiet and when my mind's quiet, I, I hear things more easily. But at the same time, that one time when, when I was in such a panic about my mother, I was such a panic and what am I going to do and how am I going to save her and so on, I still heard it. I still heard the, so it's, you don't have to be quiet. The guidance is there all the time if you're on the lookout for it. Um, and that particular time, I just acted on on that. What I heard was, "Yeah, go and get quiet. Go and get quiet and listen for." Yeah, and I, you know, I, I've had moments where I've really hit rock bottom, and 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 guidance has come, like in a form of a shouty, very shouty, very direct, <laughs> sometimes quite rude. Um, yeah, so. It always it just makes me giggle because the the communication can either sometimes be kind or sometimes it can just be very direct and just like <laughs> yeah. sort it out. Um, but the cool thing about this is is that we're all hooked up to that same source of intelligence, mm. and that's what's guiding our creative projects. It's what's guiding our decision making. It's what's guiding. Um, yeah, our path, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we get lost and we all do. And it's not a question of like some of us are guided more than others. I remember doing an exercise at an event and 
was so weird. I was transported to Africa. It was very bizarre. It was kind of like my realization was, was that we're all just as wise as Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. There is no difference. And I'd kind of put these big leaders on a pedestal. Yeah. And that was what was creating this, this, this separation. Like we're all being guided in a direction. So he was guided in that direction. That's not to say that's any better or bigger or better or you, we can all have the same influence in our own, in our own way. And so it was just, that was really impactful for me to see that because it, it it took away the sense of hierarchy that I had in my Mm -hmm. head. Like, they're more popular, I'm less popular, they're more wise, I'm less wise, Um, they're more beautiful, I'm less beautiful. This whole kind of less and more, what I got to see in that moment is that um, it's all the same and we're all being guided in that same way. But it's just, what it is, I guess, is is we just express it in in different ways, don't we? Mm, Absolutely. One of the things that that sort of helped me was that I had this um, image that we, that, that, you know what it's like when, if you wear a um, virtual reality headset, if you wear a virtual reality headset, everything that you're seeing seems, you know, you're in this virtual reality. It seems real. Mm. And, so, so it seemed to me that the human body is really just a virtual reality headset. That the, the who we who we are as spirit or whatever you want to call it is having an experience through this particular virtual reality human human mindset, and and it all looks real. And then, of course, we when you're in that virtual reality, it seems real. So, you you know, it's no, it's no wonder. It's only when you remember, oh, that's not who I really am. I'm, mm. it, 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 who I really am is the, is the, the spirit having this experience through this, through this virtual reality. And th- then how can we be different from the others? We're just, it's just, this is the the particular experience I'm having just now. And there's nothing, but as you say, we're, we're being guided in a, every, everyone is, is supposed to be different. That's the whole point of having a different experience. Yeah. I remember Michael Neal's, um, pod, he did his book, The Space Within, and he said, you know, we're all a bit like, we're waiting for the next mission. Mm. <laughs> we're sitting there waiting to be told what's next, what we're up to. It's like reporting back to M yeah. going, right, your mission now is this. And I just love, I, I'm, I'm just always in awe of it. That's all I can say. And it's funny how those ideas come to you and you're like, Oh God, really? <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's like, Oh, 
okay. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to do what? Um, Mm. And, and, um, I, I, because it, I, the first kind of big insight that I had around this was that we're all having insights mm-hmm. in different moments and they're all unique to us. And so how can anybody be walking the same path as you? Yeah. So it made comparison completely redundant because we're kind of given a memo. Each of us is given a particular memo that mm-hmm. is different to everybody else's memo. Like I'm on my memo right now, right? Like I'm on my memo. I was told to do the joy of being podcast. Nobody else is doing the joy because nobody else is interviewing you here right now. I'm doing that with you. So, but somebody Mm -hmm. else was given a different memo, right? You're given the memo of creating this amazing event for teenagers. Somebody else is given another memo to work with people in Africa. And so the memo is different for all of us. Mm -hmm. This is what I absolutely love. Because while we can like see ourselves as separate, yes, there are memos that are similar, yeah, but not the same because they're not being expressed in exactly the same way because they can't be because they're not you. No, no, no. And it's, yeah, like you say, though, it's... It comes... They, I was quite happy just doing the gardening when this, <laughs> when this came to me. <laughs> Of course. No, no, and no. No, that's not what you're up to right now. We're going to go take you off in this direction. And funny, you, know, um, you just never know. No. You never, ever know. Um, but, and the other thing that I've noticed is that people then get worried about, oh, but should I have done this or should I have done that? And did I make the right decision? When you can't make the wrong decision. I mean, that's another thing that I love about this is you can't make the wrong decision. If you... Because it's not you making it. You think you are, <laughs> but it's being made for you anyway. In fact, there was, um, I, I, was, I watched a video or something of somebody the other day who was studying how uh, decisions are made. And he, they, he went into a scanner. He went into a scanner while he made these decisions. He had quite an easy, you know, a one way or another decision to make. And the scanner showed that his brain actually, you know, that there was some signal in his brain at least six seconds before he actually consciously knew what decision he was going to make. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So we yeah. know. Yeah, so we know. And then we make the other decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you've already, it's already made. So you, you know, you think, oh, should I yeah. just make whatever decision? you make and it was made for you so you can't make a wrong decision it might seem like in the future you might look back and say oh I shouldn't have done that well you should because otherwise something else would have happened well we're only ever making the decisions that make sense to us in the moment right so Mm -hmm. we can't make another decision based on in in, in hindsight we make up a whole thing around what I should have made right because it would have turned out this way but we have no idea what how it would have turned out no, nope. we would have had no idea how would have that turned out. So it occurs to me that, that you just make a decision based on what you know at the moment and then it takes you on a bit of a journey and then you're like, well, I learned something about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I exactly. became this in the process and I had these insights. Yeah. 
with all the judgment and all the blame and the criticism that we blame, you know, we put on those decisions that, that make them wrong or right. Um, and so going back to this decision about teens and helping them, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine like what it must be like to have this understanding when you're a teenager. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we've got um, some of the young people are going to be talking who already have this understanding. Yeah. So there's going to be some of the, some teens and in their twenties who, who have the understanding already and what difference it's made in their lives, because it has, um, I think the first ones, the first young people that I saw were, were children even younger than that, who um, were, were lucky enough to have Peter Anderson as their head teacher. Right. And he had learned about the understanding because of, because of his daughter, Jenny, having had such problems with eating disorders and anxiety and so on. And then she came across the three principles understanding and, and was completely her, transformed. Her eating disorders were gone and she was much more confident and so on. So he then looked into the, um, the understanding himself and has shared it with the children in his schools and the, the differences it made just in, in school children. So, so now there are, um, there's, I don't know if you know the resilient young minds group, do you? Are you in the, there's a resilient young minds Facebook group, which is, um, aiming to help young people already. It's, it's actually very in line with what I'm doing. So it, it, it's helping young people to see the impact of the three principles understanding and then to share it with other people if they, if they choose to, to share it with other young people and to be ambassadors for have people around that can help other young people. But yes, once, so, so yes, we are going to have as many as possible of the young people talking about the experience they've had and how it's changed their lives yeah because it's easy enough for us who are older to say how it changed our lives but I can see how it would have changed mine when I was younger gosh oh my goodness Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yes it only took 37 years for me to discover it however it had been guiding me all along anyway exactly exactly Yes. It just puts words to it, I guess. So, um, Anne, if someone wants to, well, if any mums are listening to this, right, any of you listening to this or women that, that know of mums or um, who wants, who is intrigued by what we've been talking about today and you would love your teen to get involved or at least to listen in. Um, how can they do that? Well, there's going to be, there's going to be a website, which is not up yet, but well, it's starting to be up and it's called the secret of everything.com. And it will have a live, the live event will be on there and there will be a YouTube channel too for that. Mm. And in the meantime, the best thing is to get in touch with me on Facebook, I would imagine, um, so that I can let you know the details of it if you would like to. So, yeah. 
Are you, Do you have any links to the webinar yeah. or? Yeah, I have. I, I'll, there isn't a link to the um, to the event yet because we're still in the middle of building the website. Okay. <laughs> so, but uh, it will be from. It's running from the first of May to the twenty eighth of June, so it's coming very soon. So we'll make sure that we'll put the links there anyway. So okay, that would be great. Present, so you just need to send those to me. And it's been wonderful to speak to you, to talk to you about your experience and. For those of you that have been listening in today, I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And just a massive reminder of um, who we really are and actually that we're always being guided in the right direction um, by that intelligence that created us in the first place. So thank you. Thank you. Until the next time. Bye for now. And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinapearson.com slash chapter, where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mums. And if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book, then you can do that too at www.marinapearson.com slash pre-order. There you'll find a page with all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order it before the 10th of May. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek.